Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the One Seven Podcast with myself, Jacob. And Ash is nowhere to be seen. He is currently, as far as I'm aware, somewhere over the Terry. What's the ocean between the America and the England? I want to. I want to say Atlantic. Atlantic. He's somewhere I on a plane. Say that. Um, and uh, so, of course, I brought in the expertise uh, in uh, Terry, uh, who, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, has been on previous episodes. But if you don't have, have no idea who Terry is, please go check him out on TikTok. I think you've got like 20,000 followers or something on TikTok. So you must be doing something yeah. right over there. Um, but Terry is absolutely fantastic and knowledgeable and also is nine times out of 10 the first person I ever hear F1 news from. So please do go check him out. But we're here to talk about the somewhat not really anymore, but kind of breaking news and a few of the rumors and bits and pieces around the Haas team. And obviously Gunther Steiner, uh, everyone's favorite Italian-American. I'm going to go with that. Uh, <laughs> it's left. I, I, I was shocked-ish. What about you, Terry? How, how did you take the news? Um, I was shocked. I mean, I obviously saw the tweet that you guys have put out. Yes. And about the changes happening at Haas. So that kind of got me looking around and kind of sniffing around Haas news. And then I saw a couple of the rumours start to break on, you know, that Gunter had been removed from the team part on the website. And mm. I did a bit more digging and you went to buy any of his merch and suddenly it came up with the, the dreaded 404 not found page. And I was like, ooh, could this be right? Then I saw, so then I was going to do a video. Um, obviously, I've seen a few rumours online. People, yeah, speculate on it. Yeah. And then... I had a message to say this has we're going to make a statement at 9 a.m. Pacific time, Pacific time. Um, and then after a bit of Googling, we realized that was 5 p.m. UK time. And then thought, you know what? It's getting near four o'clock now. There's no point making one. I was rolled off now and actually get an official statement from it. So yeah. about then, it kind of, with all the rumors, everything going on, and then a statement due. Yeah, that's, that's never a good sign, is it? To be honest, no, right? so, it's yeah. um, a shock, definitely, in terms of you know, the change of direction of Haas. That's for sure. Um, it certainly wasn't on my bingo card for this year. Let's put it that way. No, we we should do bingo cards, by the way, because that sounds like a lot of fun. Absolutely, um, <laughs> I've got a journal. Yeah, let's, in the back, do it. let's do it. Okay. It, it'll, 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 <laughs> I need to fill that in, and we need to really do one then. This Let, year, let's actually do that because that sounds yeah, really stupid. Yeah, one hundred seven podcast uh, bingo. Cards. Yeah, perfect. Uh, perfect. <laughs> so it's not only Gunther leaving. Uh, we also have uh, Haas technical director Simone Resta leaving. Um, so it's not only one position, but also like in terms of just general team direction, but also yeah. technical direction. Um, and the way that it's come about, there's no comment from from Gunther. Apparently, Gunther wasn't allowed to say goodbye to staff. So yeah, that's all I, yeah. that sounds bad. Like that does sound bad. So and Gunther still hasn't made a public statement yet, which he is also very odd. So something tells me that there's been very clearly frustrations have boiled over and I believe that Gene has made a decision which he will live to regret. That's that's my opinion on it. Yeah, I mean, I've, from what I've seen and what I've gathered, it seems like Gunther was out of contract, which is kind of key to everything. So yeah. I don't know whether he, he had a rolling contract, whether it was the end of a multi-year contract. It sounds like this might be something that him and Gene has quite regularly did sit down at the end of the season, sign a new contract, carry on. Yep. Um, and it looks like this time it's just gone south for whatever reason. Um, we're hearing that um, Gunter allegedly wanted more financial backing from Gene Haas. Gene Haas is saying, no, you've got what you need with the technical partnership with Ferrari, you've got what you need with the budget you've got, and you should have got better than 10th out of it. And 
yeah, you've got all the tools available to you to do that. Now, yeah. that looks like it's had a knock on, like I say, all the way down with the technical director going as well in the sense of, you know, that movement, which kind of feels like that backs up that theory, if I'm honest. And the way the statement of Gene talks all about, I'm hoping it's more an engineer-based focus going forward, kind of makes me think that's definitely the the underlying current to this, that the, the car's not in a position they want it to be after the back of the wind tunnel, on the back of, you know, the CFD designs. Yeah. That's I what mean, it's feeling like. I think that... On a slight tangent, there was a tweet, which I don't know how accurate it was, but it said the amount of hours that each team will have available into the, in the wind tunnel over this season, yep. right? Or at the very least until it's updated. Um, yep. And in my head, I was like, that is a shocking amount. Like, I'd never really heard a number. Like, I just assumed, like, oh, it'd be like one, 200 hours as, like, first, and then, like, three, 400 at bottom. But it's, like, double that, at least. And I was like, that's yeah. ridiculous. Like, I had no idea. This is me potentially being a little bit naive as well, but... In Gene's defense, he has thrown a decent amount of money at this. They have the most amount of wind tunnel time. They brought upgrades which didn't work, which you could technically argue as an engineering or technical problem. So, yeah, okay. And then applying a technical director, uh, sorry, not a technical director, an engineering person to team principal. Who's it? Yeah. Mm, okay, sure. But it doesn't exactly set great tones in terms of performance for next season unless something absolutely drastic changes and they it's almost like they need like a double diffuser type realization to not finish 10th essentially that's that's what it is they're looking for something which as far as i'm concerned doesn't exist and i think that getting rid of gunther is probably the wrong idea based on people within the paddock and i think uh, uh will buxton is a great example he came out and made a tweet around the fact that like like he was uh, gunther was the one holding the team together and doing quite a lot on not a lot and the reactions and stuff like that, that i've seen around the paddock have been very similar so i think that goes to say a lot despite what you know fans may be saying in terms of him not being particularly good at his his job but i think you we spoke a little bit before recording i think you echoed that a little bit right terry that was yeah i mean for me personally i said i think it's been the last season when i said that they might need to change in terms yes. of their direction yeah. and what they're doing and that might include some good for in that but what what i don't think is i don't think the answer is purely with him in mm. terms of the card elements and the way going forward i don't think his change is going to be enough of what you're describing to take Haas to a different level. And that's where I see the problem going because he was a great personality for the team. Commercially, he was great. Yeah. He was well-known. He was he was someone who, you know, people were instantly recognisable from, you know, Drive to Survive and all of that. They associated him with the team. He and was a main character. Yeah, his own identity is such. Yeah. And I know he wasn't the main man in terms of the name of the door, but... If you put Gene Haas walking down the paddock, how many Formula One fans would probably recognise Gene Haas, actually? Yeah, if he walked down in a t-shirt with any merch and no, no one sort of buy it, he would probably walk through pretty much, you know, yeah, and, and sort of notice. And, yeah, you know, with the new team principal, it's not a big-name sign in that promotion from within. It's not, it doesn't make a statement for me of, of we're going to take it to the next level. You know, for me, someone like Otmar, someone like Benotto coming in as a replacement would have enabled you to change that direction and make that statement that says, I'm really serious about about staying you know, in Formula 1 and taking the team forward. That, right. to me, would have been a bold move to say, I may have got rid of a big personality, but look what I brought in I've, as, yeah. as a replacement. It shows you intent. Know. 
That's, yes, that's yeah. this whole situation is lacking. Um, and you actually said something quite interesting, not only around you know the needing to be a renewal of the Concord Agreement, um, yeah. and obviously Andretti not knocking on the door of Haas at the moment, but in terms of knocking on the door trying to get a space on the grid. Could this even potentially? I've just thought of this, not based on the conversation that we had before <laughs> recording, but could it potentially be that this is actually a for sale sign in the window? Because Gunther could have essentially said, look, I want a bit more budget because I want to be able to do this. And I think that, in all honesty, Gene does seem very hands-on in a very micromanagey way. So could he have been limiting the performance of Gunther as well? But also at the same time, Gene, if you look at it from an outside-looking-in perspective as Gene, he's spending so much money, but the team is worth a hell of a lot. He could potentially be doing this to reduce wages, reduce costs, and, you know, maybe Andretti does step in and take takes over the team. That, that could potentially be it. it. It could just be, right, I'll I'll put... Uh, I, I'm going to try and say this bloke's name correctly because I... I <laughs> Ayao Komatsu. Sorry, it's the first name. Komatsu, I can say properly. I'm not completely <laughs> wrong. Uh, but Komatsu, obviously, is the new team principal for now. But I don't know. Does that seem like a for sale sign? Nothing against Komatsu. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I actually met him at the British Grand Prix. Really lovely bloke. But I, I don't know. Does it? Does it? It doesn't scream intent. No, and I think that's the part. I mean, you talk about Andretti. Andretti have got you know various options opening up to them. We know that they're in this negotiation with Formula One management about joining the grid. We know that that's being dragged heavily by Formula One management. It's quite clear they don't want it to happen, and it's quite clear they're pretty much doing everything they can to not let it happen. Otherwise, we would have heard an update on it. We would have heard something from the FIA, Formula One management, or Andretti. The fact we've got this complete radio silence is a sure fire bet that nothing is happening or yeah. certainly nothing, nothing of any tangible sort of news story. We get random dribs and drabs, don't we? Like, yeah. Like, oh, uh, we found out that by EU law, technically, they can't decline yeah. the bid. Yeah, and, like that, which and then I that gets counteracted by... By the Concord Agreement, yeah. which, yeah, I must add, the, the majority of the Concord Agreement is completely confidential. We've only yeah. ever seen one of those that got leaked a few years back to see, you know, what sort of content goes in it. So that leaves Andretti with the choice of walking away or buying buying a team, let's be honest. Now, I've said for a while, Alpine commercially would have made a great deal for Andretti. They would have got the, the Endstone factory as the base. They would yeah. have got an engine supply because Alpine would have carried on building engines in France, supplying mm. them, so that would have been great for them. And they would have had their base in Europe they're looking for. But this now kind of steers the glaze to Haas because we are probably, for someone like Haas, finishing 10th once is okay. You do it two or three, you get a winning scenario where the value drops right off. Yeah. Like you say, is Gene Haas just going in at the top of the boom, at the top of this is as high as commercially I'm going to get for Haas? So do you know what? I'm, yeah, like you say, I'm going to cash out now and. For Andretti, it's a surefire way in and probably still cheaper than buying into Formula One, then setting up your facilities. Yeah, you know, still, still actually saving money for him. If he's got a, what is it, $600 million we've heard the teams are asking for as a buy in. Yeah. And then you've then got to set up your facilities on top of that. Yeah. You're then suddenly, well over a billion. Yeah. Like in the, in, within two exactly. or three years. Like, yeah. it's, it's insane. And, um, and, you, and you can't come in this late in the regulations. There's absolutely no point in doing that. So you're not coming in until 2026 at the earliest. Yeah. So you've got a year and a half, two years, as it currently sounds, no racing. Mm. That means no income. Yeah. Yeah. So you're burning money down because yeah. you've got to start. You'd, 
But you've also got sorry development for 2026 in 2025. So yes. if if Andretti haven't got an agreement by January next year, they're in trouble. Yeah. In terms of joining the Formula One, yeah, pretty much. So the the clock's ticking on them. And yeah, with all of that in mind, like you say, it could just see them ripe for a takeover. You know, they've got what offices in Marinello, um, North Carolina. They got Bister offices. It's very easy to merge that if you're someone like Andretti. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, you think about the sort of stuff that they have as well, like with the with the facilities and stuff that they have. They could even very easily, again, I'm, I I am in no way an expert on this, but you could very easily sell the facilities that you have in Italy to Ferrari, to Alfa Tauri, yep. to maybe Prima, who or who are based in Italy. You could sell it to a lower division racing series as well, and then potentially build something better in the US or wherever it is. So there's definitely opportunity there as well to use the shell of Haas to create something like a rising phoenix almost. Or it could yeah. even be that you have a similar takeover to Audi and Sauber, whereby Audi are coming in for 2026, everyone knows it. So maybe that's what Andretti do. They come in at 2026, they let Haas's yep. run its course, and yep. then as of 2026, or sort of halfway through 2025, when realistically you need to start testing parts and all that fun stuff, that's when... Andretti take over. You never know. So no, and, it, it raises more questions than it answers. Absolutely. And, and you know, if you look at the Andretti Formula One bid, he's actually stated in there he wants a European base. Yes. So all yeah. of the work that's going on in the US, even though it's going to be US team, he's really said with the Formula E and with Formula One, he wants a European base just due to the logistics of well, Formula One and indeed Formula E to some extent. Let's let's so, also remember as well that not only is half the season based in Europe, let's be honest, but yeah. like most of the good people that you'd want to nab from other teams are based in Europe as well. So yeah. you've got to like 50-50 meet, meet the... You know, you know, there's an argument of build it and they will come, but there's also an argument of build it next to where they already are and they'll come a little bit easier. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, yeah, we, we've heard those stories, haven't we? We've heard yeah. of Ferrari struggling to even recruit him in, you know, Italy, Marinello and stuff. So we know that there is, you know, we know that part of Alpha Tower's reason for moving to Milton Keynes mm. is for that. They've actually said that. You know, Peter Bear actually said last week that the whole point of moving the area department, even from like Bisterway to Milton Keynes, is to attract better quality of people yeah. because they're all like say in that area I mean, know, they're all based in there personally I've been to Milton Keynes I'd rather go to Italy <laughs> absolutely but... I mean as somebody who's been to the Red Bull factory I'm sure yeah Red Bull factory looks nice don't get me wrong but yeah. Marinello I'm sure looks a lot better oh than, yeah I can imagine just off that roundabout at Milton Keynes <laughs> nothing against Red Bull I'm as bad yeah um, no, their factory looks great um and if you've been to the Mercedes factory, you'd certainly think Red Bull factory was great because Mercedes oh, yeah. is definitely nowhere near on a bar. Yeah, it's, it's a bit yeah. dated, but it you can tell it's well. Not yeah, it's dated. I mean, that's why that's why all the rebuilding's going on there. Yeah, it is, true. You know, Brack, Brackley is dated. It goes, still goes in for one door at the back. Proper old school style. It's quite interesting to see. Um, yeah, yeah, considering the amount of money they've got. So yeah. And also, let's be honest. The 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 Aston Martin factory. I oh. mean, like. Now you've got to compete with that. That is yeah, that, outrageous I mean, facility. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just a whole new level, of this, you know. It's phenomenal. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Anyway, yeah, we're back to Gunther. Now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> back, no, back to Gunther. <laughs> yeah, whoever's listening, if you could organise a factory tour, get us in. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> but 
Um, in terms of Gunther, like I said, I think that if there are fans out there that are not necessarily celebrating this, but thinking that this is a great move, I really do think you need to rethink. I've said the word think a lot, but I think you need to rethink your perspective on that. And I think that will show maybe not in the first couple of races, like first three or four races, it might not show. Um, but after that, and especially over the entire season, I just can't see it going particularly well. Um, so I would like to defend the bloke a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, it's very interesting that he hasn't made a statement. He hasn't like, you know, come out. I think he has actually, I think he has like an appearance as part of like a panel on Saturday. Is that Saturday? On there. Is that oh, you're there. there? Oh, yeah. brilliant! You'll have to come. You'll have to report back and see how I he is. Wait. Yeah, he, he's um, he's guest speaking at the um Autosport International. That's what morning. it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they've confirmed last night that he's still going to be there, which is literally going to be his first appearance since yeah. then. Um, and David David Cross doing the interview, so it could get very interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I can you imagine the chat that they're going to have backstage? Oh, to, to be honestly, fly on it's, it's one of those. It's one of those I booked tickets ages ago and I was looking forward to going anyway. Then he was announced as going, so I was like, oh, perfect, even better. Brilliant. And like yeah. now it's like, oh, it's like perfect. <laughs> you, you will definitely have to let us know how that goes because that's... Definitely. I'm going to be trying to reach my phone. To film it, because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. there's going to be a mock. Let's be honest. You're going to get near, oh, near him on Saturday. Yeah, that's going to be ridiculous. You know? um, yeah. But I think that um, even though we've not talked down Komatsu... I obviously wish him the best of luck and wish has the best of luck. Um, but with with him coming in and not, especially this is his first team principal role. He's never been a team principal before. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how he actually manages to, you know, get stuff done. Um, but we're, it's, yeah. Especially when you think they've now just left two glaring big vacancies in their team. Yeah. So it's okay promoting this way. And I totally get where Gene's coming from in terms mm. of, taking it an engineering way but if you've just lost your technical director as well as your team principal let's be honest and you then promoted what was you know head of engineering of team principal that's two key engineering roles yeah. that you've actually not replaced mm. which if you're focused on engineering again it sounds a little bit strange yeah because it's... surely they would have been key appointments at the same time as the team principal role it doesn't seem <laughs> like a very well thought out plan no. does it and, yeah and and also you've only got to look at mclaren's development route last year oh they, yeah they took that wrong turn over the winter and you know they obviously took them all the way to sort of silverstone time really let's be honest yes, before they yeah. really got back in the game and that's with a team of you know no disrespect again has but mclaren's facilities technical structure Mm. You know, their, their, their budget, all of those things, you know, has haven't got that in their locker to call upon. No. And, you know, if a team like, you know, McLaren struggled to get it back after going down the wrong route, if Haas have gone down this wrong route, which I think they might have, because let's be honest, the only reason that that's happened is if Gene isn't happy with what he's seen over the winter, because why wait until now? Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. It, if if he's waiting waiting until now, that's because the first simulations are done. The car's been put through the wind tunnel. The data's on the board, and quite clearly, he's looked in and gone, "We're in trouble here," and I need to make some changes. And that's what it feels like. If I'm honest, it feels like the data's come through, and suddenly they've all gone. 
yeah, we've got a problem. This is the first week back where I know that Fernando is back uh, at Silverstone, at Aston Martin. Yep. I know a lot of the drivers are now starting to come back and do sim work and stuff like that. Yep. So more than likely, they've come back. The sim numbers are awful and they've gone, oh, God, yeah. what have we done? It's what it feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, they, it yeah. yeah. They've been like the emergency meeting calls and gone, right, you know. That, what the hell do we do? Change, yeah. We need more money, Gene. No, you can't have any. Okay, I'm leaving no. then. Like, we're, yeah, no idea. And, and of course, that's the thing that the people have sort of not touched on. We know that they parted ways. We know that ultimately mm. Gene's pulled the trigger. But did he pull the trigger? Or was it a case of also of Grunford going, Joe, you know I can't work with this, I, or I'm not going to anymore because I can't deliver what you want. So therefore, I am resigning my contract that might have just expired or, you know what, I'm yeah. away from this as well. And that's where, until we get his opinion on this, yeah, we've got this one-sided story without any real facts on it, without whether or not, you know, he's looking to stay in Formula 1, yeah. he's looking to take a break. Those sort of things will give you how it ended because if he suddenly comes out bouncing saying, actually, I'm ready for another job, you know, I'm yeah. raring to go as such. Yeah, I that's mean... very different, isn't it? I mean, especially, like, if you're... If you're looking commercially, if you're another team looking commercially as well, like maybe maybe Audi turn around to him and offer him a position in a few years because I mean, like he could probably help flog some Audis. Let's be honest, uh, yeah. especially being a salesperson <laughs> originally. Uh, but like, there could be another team looking at him. I, I presume there's probably some sort of gardening leave. Um, um, well, be. it it depends. I don't because, know. Yeah, you don't know. Well, no, I mean, I, I did a video on this one earlier and. It all depends whether or not he's out of contract because he can't yeah. be on Gardner leave if his contract's ended. And that's why it's key to how this relationship has ended. Because yeah. if it, if it's point. a contract renewal and he's not signed it, there is no Gardner leave to apply. So yeah, therefore, I guess not, yeah. he can walk into another team straight away. Yeah, um, he could of course have agreed a separation and signed a, an NDA and a, a payoff and gone on his way that way. Of course, yeah. you know we've seen that happen. This is Formula One. True. Um, and in terms of team principles, we've got the state team principle isn't a full-blown team principle. Mm. Yeah, remember that one? Because, you know, they made those changes when Seidel come across from McLaren and he's not the team principal and the team principal isn't really a team principal. He's, yeah. he's an advisor, not really like... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, you've got Alpine, still so got Bruno Famine is an yes. interim one. True. Not been appointed full-time yet. Yeah. You know, there are, there are some options, I'd say, for someone commercially... You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I even in an advisory type role yeah. as well. Um, but I mean, I'd be if I'm Gunther, unless there's an offer already from another another Formula One team, or there's some sort of reason why, I'd be looking at Sky and being like, "How can I help? It. How can I? Yeah, help? like doing punditry I mean, for Sky Germany, Sky UK, wherever. Even F1 TV would probably love to have him. Like, yeah, like he would be perfect for broadcast." So I can't imagine that, you know, his inbox isn't exactly empty with with offers. Um, but yeah, I, I, it will be very interesting to see what next steps he's actually going to take because the whole of the F1 fandom will be watching. Like, Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and like you say, you know, so much open to him. We know Sky have talked about a new presenter coming, haven't announced mm. that even. No. Yeah, you, so, you start to look at Dots and go, actually, is, is, this, is this actually yeah. part of... This whole this whole thing where he's already known he's negotiated something yeah. or you know he's he's already got something lined up yeah this this is Formula One would he have known first thing this week or has this been rumbling for a couple of weeks 
these are all the unknowns, aren't they? Which, yeah. you know, so many questions. This Formula One rule is so connected, you yeah. know, that I, I, I certainly don't think it's the last we've seen of him at all. No, um, not at all. Not, not at all. And I don't think it'd be long before we see him again. If no. I'm honest, no, I he will be somewhere in the paddock next year. He just will, like, like yeah. unless he wants to go and have, he, and he actually says, "I want a sabbatical." Yeah, I want to take a break. Yeah, away, which is perfectly understandable. He's been doing it for years now. Um, then, yeah, but the other slightly fun fact that I found as well is that now, bearing in mind that he's barely been there five minutes, Mike Crack is the third longest team principal, <laughs> lo- third longest serving team principal. Yeah, and he only came in like two years ago. How crazy is that? I saw that and I was like, "Are you sure?" You know, when you have to read something twice, then you go, really? "Yeah, like, eh? like the the longest serving team principal is Christian Horner." Christian Horner, obviously, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like that just it doesn't sound right, does it? Yeah, Christian Horner and Toto. You know, like, yeah, then... Christian Horner and Toto. But I mean, and then Mike Crack. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just very odd. It's I, it's yeah. I it's I saw that and like I said it's one of these tweets that you look at, you look at twice, don't you? And you go. Yeah. Are you sure you got that right? Yeah. You know, and then you know, yeah. literally, I was like, "Can they get a gas for looking at it again?" Oh my, it is right. He says, "Absolutely, bang on it." You know, insane, absolutely insane. Um, but I think I think we've spoken about Gunther. Unless you have any other thoughts around him. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm just waiting for the Benotto and Gunther road trip to come onto Netflix. Oh, I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. that's what he's doing in his year off. Maybe they're going to get in that little little Fiat 500 and. Yeah, go around, go around the vineyards or something again. Um, maybe that's the next step through. People would pay a lot of money to see that. I, I, like, I would uh, probably watch Gunter and Matteo Road Trip. <laughs> it's, it's almost like like Grand Tour, like James May, Our Man in type <laughs> yeah. series as well. They're brilliant, absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Uh, they just send them both to different countries. <laughs> yeah, um, or, or, or get them to follow the Formula One calendar. Yes, so they can literally do like. Like, like Travel Man. Did you ever yeah. watch Travel Man on Channel Four? Oh, yeah, they, but they do. But it's those two, and they go to the Grand Prix weekends yeah. and show. We what could to get do. them, like you know, in um, all the fan zones. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> get everyone on the case. Get them Perfect. In the fan zones. Yeah. Oh Perfect. my god! It's just like an F1 TV spin-off. <laughs> That's it. If you've watched an F1, we won that one. We won tickets to that when it uh, happened. <laughs> or do you remember when uh, Will Arnett and Danny Ricardo did like alternative yes. commentary? The, the podcast Beans commentary. Yeah. Ah, yes. <laughs> The good alternative commentary coming to Sky soon, <sighs> complete with beliefs. <laughs> oh, perfect, 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 perfect. Press the button. Press the button. Yeah. <laughs> but but don't pre- like don't press it twice, because otherwise you get Sky Kids, and I think there's a yeah. Different, yeah there's a there's a definitely a level of yeah. Gunther swearing and yeah. Sky Kids that you don't want to miss. Kids, so blue, one, <laughs> blue one for Gunther, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think regardless, best of luck to Hass in this very odd weird time um because yeah, yeah it's it can't be fun being for example just a front-end engineer at house at the moment going what the hell is happening um so yeah absolutely best of luck and hopefully their sim data is not as bad as we <laughs> may think um, no and and, yeah. and i hope that i hope it's not true that he didn't get a chance there you could buy because ultimately whatever the sort of direction of the team they wouldn't have come about if it hadn't been for his determination. Yeah, when you read his book and you read actually, you know, how how he, you know, sort of not coercion, but badgered him is probably the right word into setting it up. And then yeah. the COVID struggles and, and that sort of thing. So actually, you know, has themselves owe a lot to Gunter Stein and whatever people's Absolutely. opinions of him as a team principal, maybe. So yeah, it's only right that they've got a lot of long serving team members there. 
a lot of people who've been there from the start who yeah you know deserve the opportunity to say goodbye if nothing else if that's not happened so i i saw that and i thought i hope that's not true or if it is i hope they do get a chance to actually yeah say goodbye in, in, a, in a proper way rather than yeah sort of through through tweets and stuff that we tend to be seeing yeah I mean, the funniest thing would be if Andretti took over and then they made a That would be just purely as a as a fuck oh, you to G. Just as a commercial Perfect. Thing, yeah. Perfect. So good. And then um, called it then called like Gunter Racing for two years. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's better than steak, honestly. What, actually, oh. we we I didn't mention that as a as a talking point. But what's your opinion on the, the, the naming for this team? Because I well, can't understand. Like I I understand it from a military point of view. I mean when, oh, I, yeah, when, money. I, when yeah. I did the video on on how much they paid what was then Alfa Romeo, I yeah. was like thirty three million bigger than like a Ramco to Aston Martin. I was like, a mm. huge amount of money for when you're gonna change it out to kick for so many races anyway. And I get that this is commercial talking in Formula One, and the, these people are paying mind blowing amounts of money, but there's yeah. identity there as well, isn't it? And to come with a name that you can't use in every country, you can't use probably ain't going to use on Sky, let's be honest about that. No, probably not going to be on the team sheets when or the F1 app when it goes up. Yeah, just seems really pointless and a lack of identity. And for me, kind of sums up their journey at the moment, which is. That transitional stage where it's odd. Audi don't want to invest too much because you know what they're like, we ain't giving you all our money because we're waiting because right. we want to, you know, first of January twenty twenty five. That's when we're going to stick our money in, yep. ready for twenty twenty six. Yep. Yeah. You know, so at the moment we're going to sit on our hands and sit on our wallets, and you carry on as you are for another twelve months, and then we're then we're when we're finally ready to come and play, we will like you know that's what it feels like. This transitional stage that has been going on all of last year, going to carry on into this year, where. It just doesn't feel like, you know, again, similar to us, it feels like they don't have a direction of where they're going because they're in this identity crisis before they become Audi. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the reality of it, really. They got, yeah. what, two years before that happens? Yeah. Bang on. You, you, you're bang on. It, yeah. It's understandable if it was like, for example, McLaren obviously have a reasonably large sponsor in Velo, which is a yeah. nicotine product, kind of ish <coughs> it is but it isn't but it is yeah uh, it's not cigarettes so it's fine apparently um so, <laughs> um but so with with that they have to sometimes change the logo or the name but it's not a title sponsor no so that's fine i don't think it's but i mean will most people just I, i'll be let's be honest martin brundle <laughs> is just going to refer to it as the sour team Sauber, it's going to be, be Sauber. Sauber's going to be, yeah. Like, I mean, ironically, Sauber is in because that really long name they come out with, mm. and everyone kind of went, "What is that?" That's still on the FIA document. That yeah. is the name they submitted. Yeah. So yeah, this this state kick F one whatever it was Sauber bolted on the end. So ultimately, we are probably going to see kick Sauber at some point. Yeah. During the course, if not on all the apps and stuff, to yeah, exactly. Yeah, make yeah. sure you can use it all. So I think we will see the Sauber name. On there, which again is really baffling to why we've now got safe everyone. Yeah, if we're going to get like kick Sauber on a, on a lot of stuff, it's just odd. It, it's just it's just yeah. odd. And but it is a talking point, and it has got people talking. Yeah, which is and, what. And they've revamped obviously their social media. Yeah. It looks a completely new strategy, to be honest. Looking yeah. at how they've launched it, looking at their fan interaction, what they're doing, and car launching in London for the first time ever. So 
Yeah, they they have They're flipping the script. Used it as a change. Yeah. yeah, and a talking point, which yeah, like you say, it's got everyone talking. It's got them noticed again, and yeah. Steak will live it because everyone knows what about Steak. And actually, yeah. twelve minutes ago, it was still the Alfa Romeo team with Steak as a sponsor on it. So, yeah. do you know what? From a marketing point of view, it's weird, hasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, whether yeah. or not that's translating into you know actual financial success yeah, or I mean, stake I'm... is a completely different story. But I mean, they're happy, but, we're but happy, it, it whatever. You're, you're a Formula One fan, not me. Do you ever look at these branded on the cars, and does it make you go and buy those products? I, I have a story to tell you. I oh, think I was accidentally influenced. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't oh, realize. I didn't realize. So I um I had a work phone, an iPhone. We were set we were told you're allowed to use your iPhone as your personal phone. It doesn't matter because here in Denmark you pay tax on your phone anyway. So it's technically yours. So do what you want with it. Um and yeah, it is what it is. Um and then at some point I decided, look, I, I want to separate work life, have a bit of a better work life balance. So I'm gonna buy myself a phone. And I bought a Google Pixel. About two weeks after the Chrome liveried McLaren, and I think wow. I was influenced, and I don't think I realised until about a month afterwards because I was like, "Oh yeah, McLaren use use Chrome to the oh no, like I it was literally <laughs> a switch in my head." <laughs> so I think I was accidentally influenced by McLaren to buy a Google Pixel. It clearly uh, worked then. Uh, apparently it works. So whoever does marketing or uh, partner relations at McLaren, well done. You sold me a phone. Um, uh, but some of these partnerships do work. Am I ever going to try Velo? No, never. Uh, but you've never heard of the brand. And that's the I've heard of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, am I ever going to try OKX, which is crypto and like NFTs and all that rubbish? No, because I have brain cells. But I know what the brand is. Like, and, and likewise, just want to ask you to name crypto, which is what all these things are about. Because um, yeah, I, I don't know if you sign it to the um, the Aston Martin IAN competition. Yes, I have. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. how many times are their questionnaires always on which of these brands, which which sponsors have you heard of? Yeah, yeah. And it goes through lists, doesn't it? Of you know, obviously the the obvious like Aramco, Cognizant, yeah. Boss, all those. Exactly. That yeah. goes through all the brands and says which of these, and it surprises how many. That you suddenly go, oh, you know, I don't drink Bombardier beer, for example, but I know they're sponsored Aston Martin. Exactly. You know, yeah. Peroni, you know, I'm not a lager drinker at all, but actually, I know of them. Yeah. I know I think, of them. I think we do, we do have to remember that there are so many different types of Formula One fans who are interested in so many different bits and pieces. And so, like, there are so many brands which it just makes sense. Like, if, for example, I don't drink beer, but Heineken plaster their stuff all over the place. So if I were to drink beer, and I was like, oh, I'm in a pub, or whatever. Oh, Heineken, because it's in your yeah. head. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's recognisable. It's recognisable from, from the exposure, isn't it? So, exactly. So there are some stuff which, yes, I would probably use, like, but some stuff I just don't. It, it depends, doesn't it? It's a weird sort of, yeah, I don't know. It depends on the, the, the item itself. But some people go mad for this stuff. Like, like some people will, like, obviously McLaren did the Sun God um partnership yeah people will just go mad and buy loads of, yeah. loads of sun god sunglasses because That's what I mean. there's been some there's been some massively successful you know sort of commercial crossovers hasn't it which yeah yeah especially on merch and stuff hasn't it so yeah 
there's a lot to be said for that. I, I also thought about this as well. Obviously, whenever you buy like merchandise from McLaren or whatever, so I have, hold on, I have a McLaren hoodie, which I was wearing earlier, right? So, and I paid like a stupid amount of money for this hoodie because I'm an idiot and I, I'm a sucker for marketing, apparently. Wait for the sale, wait. Wait for the sale. So, yeah, no, I know that's what you've done as well. But like it has, for example, Android and Dell written on this, right? But it's still going to cost me £80. Why am I paying loads of money to have Dell plastered all over me? There is an argument for that of like, well, Dell have paid money, so I'm giving them free advertising. Yeah. So... Surely I should get this for free or cheaper. <laughs> like, there's that argument to it too, which okay. is why. I love I, that argument. I mean, there is that argument to be had. Yeah. So, like, for example, like, I, every now and again, whenever I go to work or whenever I go out, right, if you were to, like, head to toe, look at somebody at work, they're maybe wearing Nike shoes, uh, Levi uh, jeans, and a hoodie from Hollister, for example, right? You are advertising those brands for free, right? You're not, you've paid them money. So why yep. don't you advertise something yourself? So I wear like a 107 podcast shirt sometimes because it's free advertising for yourself. Why don't you promote yourself? Yeah. It's, just, it, it's completely unrelated to F1. But, <laughs> but my, my point is, is that like these, these, these advertisements, they really do get into your head and you associate those brands with those teams. So yep. it definitely is worth it in, in terms of marketing money, even if you directly aren't impacted by that brand and by that um, uh, by that product. But something to give you an example, every now and again, I have energy drinks. If, I have, if I'm going to have an energy drink, it's going to be a Red Bull. However, I really hope that because of the new partnership with McLaren and Monster, we get some sort of papaya monster or something like that. Yeah. I will spend money on that because I'm a sucker for advertising. <laughs> <laughs> I just am. Like, I'll, I'll give it a go. Look, uh, Google Pixel. Like, I'm, I'm, uh, take my money. Um, and, and I know I'm not the only one, right? Surely there's something that like you've bought, even if it's like like martini champagne. Surely you've bought something. Oh, dare you ask it? Oh no. <laughs> What, I I know one I know one I I know one that you bought you've bought the McLaren Technic Lego set because Absolutely. it's McLaren there we well, go te technically technically my wife did but yes well, that, that was the reason behind it yeah, yeah it, but, well there we go ab yeah absolutely because it's Formula One you know yeah. and, and it works it, absolutely it, it works yeah and I was, you see some of these brands they're just you know simultaneously associated with teams aren't they mm. you know some of the longer serve ones you know your patronuses your, yeah you know even your amco now with aston martin you've got your shell and your ferrari yeah some of them are so long-standing you know that actually you're now associating the two together in terms of the partnerships and how long they've been going haven't you so yeah it's i've, it's, I've just there's a lot of money i only uh, fill up my car at shell <laughs> i've just realized what's wrong with me yeah. Oh. but that's what i mean i mean it's, i mean from from state's point of view they they clearly mm. you know have got a good deal they've got some great exposure from it that's yes. obviously going to continue um so i see why they've done it audi mm. and you know have obviously taken the money um i'm not quite sure what audi's ownership is currently at with Salva. i know they i know they had this sort of deal where they were taking on a year on year increase in terms of their yes. holding within yeah so that by the time we get to 2026 they're going to be over 50% at least, so there'd be the controlling stake in it. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure what the latest is with where they're at with that. I imagine they've had to increase it again as per the, like, their condition of buying yeah. effectively Sauber out, isn't if, it? So 
Yeah, I think if you're Audi, you would look at like, right, if we're increasing our partnership year on year, how does it make sense? Could, is there some sort of equipment we can upgrade? Could we maybe set money aside for um, a new technology that, you know, like... We well, they've been doing factory place. updates, haven't they? Factory updates, that's what yeah, I'm thinking Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the chassis is still going to be continued to be built in Switzerland mm. and then the engine department. So they've been investing heavily in the engine side recently. That's, yes. that's what they've been doing. Um, because obviously you're allowed to, and um, you've got a, you've got a completely separate cost cap for engine development. So which would be Audi. So that would be having no impact on Alfa Romeo as they were as Sauber as they are, because mm. that engine development is purely for 2026. So they will have a whole setup for that. So I think now we're we're going to be starting to see that crossover in terms of appointments with. Yeah, whoever left with the Alfa Romeo partnership, because it was a partnership, it was yeah. a technical partnership, it was more than an, a naming deal. They yeah. actually had people involved from Alfa Romeo who yes. now yeah. now left. So that's something that's really being missed, I think, from the end of that partnership, that people have just gone, oh, they're no longer called Alfa Romeo. It was actually a technical partnership yeah. with Ferrari, with people coming on board. So. Yeah, and if you want a practical example, ha uh, even Christian Horn has come out and said it. How many Honda employees have stayed with Rebel yeah. powertrains? Yeah, it's and that's a lot. I mean, it's, it's more than it's, you would think. It's it's a lot because they shut down everything, you know, and that kind of you know brings you on to how good Honda can be in yeah. twenty twenty six for Aston yeah. Martin. In fact, they just so. come back within like six months. They were like, "Yeah, we're leaving," and then come back with it. It's outrageous. They've done it. Again. Uh, they're going. They're going with um, an American type, aren't they? With with the Honda engine, which makes you think that the big mistake is they said they would go in. Red Bull powertrains obviously came in, took a lot yep. of lead, took a lot of Mercedes engineers as well because yeah. of cost cuts kicking in. Yeah, and you know, suddenly Red Bull powertrains is you know all singing, all dancing, and gonna be very. I think very strong, judging yeah. by the problems they've made. We we haven't um, obviously discussed it, but like I really don't see Red Bull being knocked off the top for a while. And it just mm, it, there's the, something the about only, it. The only the only way I can see it happening is if you genuinely reach the ceiling of development, as yes. in yeah. you can't make that Red Bull any faster. Yeah. Now now last season they did they were faster. And I genuinely think they had more in the bag. I've talked mm. about this quite a lot. I think that they weren't flat out. Max wasn't being challenged much, which makes me think he certainly wasn't driving flat out all the time. No, probably not. And I don't think the engine was turned up fully all the time either. Ash um, said the same thing. Yeah, so I think there's definitely performance gains even on last year. But their biggest step forward last year was the weight saving, which obviously they're, they're not going to make this year. So actually, is is there going to be an opportunity for teams to, to come back a bit and and sort of close that gap. Yeah. And how much of it is Max is driving? Yeah. And I, I, I keep going back to this. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure Max is getting the credit he deserves because right. is Checo performing at a point where everyone's saying, yeah, we, we've heard it all last year, didn't we? Yeah, Dallin's going to come in. Yeah. Um, Checo's performing badly, you know, looking in compared to Max. But actually, is Max just performing that well that Checo is performing at a level that you'd associate with the car yeah. in terms of where it where it is? But Max is just that better driver. He's just in that zone. He's in that groove. He's mm. got that confidence. He's got that that invincibility that we yeah. saw Lewis have over the years. Yeah, that that he's finding that extra time from just being that. You know, Schumacher era. As we go back to all these yeah. great drivers where they had teammates and they literally were just seconds apart from him because yeah. Yeah. they were just that good.
Yeah. Yeah, and their generational talents are once once in a lifetime people. I think that and, Perez is I don't think I don't think he's doing a good enough job. I will say no. that, and I've said it before. However, I feel like he Perez is maybe performing at let's say you have one hundred percent performance, which is perfect, which is where Max is at, right? Yeah. But I think that Max's ability gives him ten percent over Perez, right? And in Formula One, one percent is is yeah a, like a lot of time um on the track and so i think that perez is maybe performing at 90 percent of what verstappen can right and the other part of it is way well, he's got to be affected psychologically he has yeah to definitely um you look at bottas as well when he was yeah. going up against lewis and it's that psychological of like all your life you've been building towards formula one you you are the best i am the best there nobody can beat me if you put me in the fastest car with somebody else i will beat that other person and then to somehow accept but not really that that just isn't the case is ridiculous and i think that that's maybe brought him back another 10 percent as well so paris just isn't operating at optimum um and i don't think he's done even though he won two races at the beginning of the season look at where max started from during those two races where Perez won like like yeah yeah he didn't put up that much of a fight and so when you look at Miami Miami yeah. is where we were like ah okay this this is a bit special um and then he just went on and walked all over the grid the entire time up until Singapore had a bit of a blip but then carried on anyway mm. um but like I I do think that this this is one of those things where we will look back in ten years and go, geez, he he's a different beast. Yeah, like, just phenomenal is, talent. Yeah, just is. Yeah, like there's just no a great, other... just just a great, yeah. just just literally deserves to be up there with him. And yeah. you know, he. I think that's that's the problem. I think uh, that... that some people are not seeing because of obviously what happened in 2021 in circumstances. Yeah, I don't think we. I think there's there's a fan base that maybe aren't appreciating, but. I think that happens in Formula One anyway. Mm. I think sometimes we don't appreciate these talents until they're yeah. no longer on the bridge. You know, Fernando, when he first retired. I agree. For example, you know. I think a great example is you've got to remember that Hamilton also won his first championship under some a little bit dodgy conditions. It's a completely different situation. Please don't at me, F1X, I guess, or Twitter or whatever it is. <laughs> but you get my point. There was controversy with both yeah. of their first world championships, right? And Lewis was hated by quite a few at some point, and then slowly but surely was also liked and then disliked, and it ebbed and flowed. And I think exactly the same will happen with Max. And when Lewis Fernando, retires, Fernando was the yeah, same. Fernando, Seb, exactly. Seb, Seb is a perfect example at Red Bull. Yeah, he was hated. Another perfect example. Um, but now is I think I think you know Vettel checked himself towards the end, uh, realized like you know like. Maybe he is a bit too cocky. Maybe he is a bit like you know X X Y Z. But then, but then they they need that, don't they? As well, yeah. when they're yeah. young coming into Formula One, yeah, you know, they need they need that to to do what they do to be the driver yeah. they are. Yeah, Lewis was a young arrogant driver. You know, mm. you know, Senna was the same. Schumacher yeah. was the same. Yeah. They all carried this this. You know, yeah, we all remember when you know Schumacher and Coulthard crashed in in I think it was Spa, Spa in the rain when. Yeah. And yeah, you know, Schumacher's running down the pit lane after Coulthard, like it's <laughs> so his fault. Good, yeah. When to be fair, you know, yeah. Coulthard was just plumbing in the middle of the track. Yeah, and Schumacher drove his back. Didn't know. 
But yeah, the Schumacher yeah. stories, and even even DC said this on many sort of interviews afterwards. Yeah. But according to Schumacher, Schumacher was like, you know, what were you doing? And he was yeah. adamant that it's DC's fault. And DC's like, oh, flood on the track uh, in yeah. the rain. You know, you know, didn't even see you. you Literally. But he said the, the way that, you know, Schumacher come at him was like, and I never apologized to this day, never sort of, no, you know. Apparently not, you know. no. Yeah, so <laughs> those sort of personalities, isn't it? That's, that's what they are. Yeah. And it's probably that what separates them. And, you know, Bottas talks about that mental, like you said earlier, that mental sort of five years at Mercedes, how mm. how mentally draining it was to actually go up against Lewis and yes. every season think, this is my year. Yeah. And then by the midway point, being told to put aside because Lewis is clearing the championship, but actually you're, yeah. you're now you're now playing team game. Yeah. Because that's what we pay you to do ultimately. So I think yeah, it, it further just goes to show how bloody good that one season from Nico Rosberg was. That's my first yeah. point. My second point is, no matter how much more Max does, unless he does something absolutely horrific, like joins Haas for three years and just comes <laughs> around on the back for no reason, he will be in the same conversation as Hamilton, as Senna, as Prost, Definitely. as you know, all of the greats. He, he is yeah. already in that conversation. Yeah, he's, um, he's got to be, after last season, yeah. that record-breaking season, he's got to be now in that in that sort of conversation, you know, it is the debate is it, you know, what do we cast as great? So, like he's saying, you can't compare, you can't compare generational talents. No. The circumstances are different, but you can appreciate that every generation has these these superstars and yeah. these, these you know, drivers that will always stay with you. And, you know, you'll yeah. sort of look back and you just come and go, actually, I remember watching that, you know, that era. I remember watching that Verstappen record breaking season, actually, yeah. you know. They don't you say people will be talk about the news, come won't they? Yeah, it's easily. Yeah, I remember I, I that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I was there. I watched that. Yeah, um, I think that it's for me. There are like I have best of like generational slash technical yeah. directions type thing. Like so, you know that if you had taken, for example, Senna with his driving style in these newer Formula One cars, it wouldn't work as well as it did in the technical regulations that he had of his day. Could he adapt? Maybe. Who knows? But the point still stands is that at that time, up until his untimely death, he was a force to be reckoned with. There's, yeah. there's no other way of putting it. He is and will forever be one of the best. Um, and you could say exactly the same for Verstappen. If you took Verstappen and put him in the MP4... Um, MP4-4, sorry, I do apologise. Uh, but if you drag and <laughs> dropped him into that car, his driving style may not work as well. So I think that with each reasonably big technical direction change, there is a best-of era type thing. Um, yeah. It's almost like a, like a 80s hits, 90s hits, yeah. 2000, 2000 hits. Absolutely, that's, yeah. that's what it is. Um, and so we will, at the end of time we will have a crop of incredible in-drivers who... Incredible in-drivers? Incredible drivers who whose names will stand the test of time, and Verstappen's is on that list. There's no other way of putting it. Yeah. No, definitely. And like I say, I think it all depends on the area you grew up in as well, you know, yes. what you remember. Yeah. Where, where, where you were influenced on that as well. So I think all of these things play a huge part into, you know, sort of where, where you pay for people or rank them. And I think it's one of these you'll never answer the debate and I don't think you can because yeah. you go on statistics with, with like, you know, mm. with Lewis, you go on sheer driving ability, do you, where does Michael fit into yeah. it? 
And yeah, I hate that phrase, you know, it's about the car, it's about the car. The car plays a massive part, but also the driver plays a massive part. And yeah. But you always have to have the two, you know, like you say, you don't see a world champion going into a bad car. You know, Damon Hill at Arrows is a prime example of, you know, when you can take that number one and you can go in and, you know, not make it work. So these, you've, you've got to... Yeah, these good drivers drag bad cars out of the mud yeah. as well. So there's also that as well. Like, good drivers don't, great drivers do. I think that's probably the the different, uh, the differential to make. Um, yeah, like, like only the greats will be able to do stuff like what Schumacher did with, with Ferrari. Um, yeah. Uh, I am aware that it is now 10 past wow. 9 for you. So I don't. No, we can carry on. You... We're fighting. Oh, perfect. Well, in that case, <laughs> then. I, uh... <laughs> so we. Th- th- this is just going completely off order. We had, we had topic. For those listening, if you've made it 51 minutes in, 52 now, congrats. Um, yeah. But we're just going to waffle on now for a bit. Um, but so <laughs> in terms. <laughs> uh, in terms of like like generational talents and stuff like that um we had obviously like the crop of rookies who came through so we had russell and norris and um albon sorry i couldn't yeah. remember albon's name i do apologize alex love you um but so with with we had those crop come through and they've gone ahead and done pretty well let's be honest pretty well yeah only one race win between the three of them but you know um <laughs> uh but I actually had a question about another younger driver uh, in terms of because we've not we've not had the chance to talk about it us two. Oscar Piastri, what did you think of his season? Because it's being compared to <coughs> Lewis Hamilton's rookie season, which I think is wrong, but he yep. does technically have the best rookie season since Lewis Hamilton. That can't yeah, I mean, exist. no, I mean. I think it's first of all, I'm with John Green, but I think it's wrong to compare him to Lewis's rookie season. Yeah. I think you know, the team is in a completely different phase to what that McLaren team was under the car. Obviously McLaren had um we won't go into the circumstances as yeah, spygate yeah, if that's fine. that you know yeah. don't, we were gonna don't take Google off the air for that. Spygate kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Spygate isn't a, a spy movie for mm. the new Formula One fans. And <laughs> go Google him with Formula One and <laughs> You know, you'll you'll find Alonso stuffed envelopes and McLaren McLaren mechanic stories. <laughs> you know, Ridiculous, yeah. But you know, I think I think Oscar Piastri, I think had a great season. Um, mm. I called it as far as season that I thought he might perform better than Lando. Um, yes. And I think that during the season he was unlucky in some races, and I also think he was unlucky in terms of McLaren development because I think the one thing we got to keep remembering is that Oscar didn't have the same car all the time as Lando. You know, no. Silverstone was a prime example. And, you know, he was behind, you know, sometimes Austria. sort of two, three races. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a couple of occasions where actually he had the older spec car to, to what Lando had and still performed, you know, reasonably, you know, reasonably well stacked up against him. So um, I've said Oscar's winner at every level. Um, you can see why McLaren went and signed him up. You can see why they tied him down to a long-term deal as well. Yeah, Zach Brown for... A lot of, yeah, we talk about characters. That Brown's one, yeah, he's really turned McLaren's fortunes mm. around. And actually, yeah. he's, yeah, that is a strong partnership as long as it doesn't go Rossbrook Hamilton style. Yes, yeah, I think, and, that... and that's that's a danger. You've got two number one drivers here right. who, who are both capable of being number one drivers. Yeah, um, Lando, yeah, 
I think it's going to be the dynamics going to be interesting if Oscar snatches a win before Lando. I really feel there could be a turning point in the McLaren garage. I for sure. I so I have a very similar opinion. I think that Oscar by winning a sprint race during the, such a dominant season as well with Verstappen has proven he's there. He he very clearly maybe not the consistency, but he's there in 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 and in and about in terms of skill and being able to deliver. Maybe not consistently, but also he didn't have the same car. Like I mean, in Spa, he got slammed into the wall by uh, Carlos Sainz uh, yep. during the race within like two or three corners. Um, and he was leading that sprint race at that point as well, when that McLaren was not set up for that track. It yep. was set up for the rain, and then on race day, it it didn't rain. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was completely um, terrible. So, so, like, and also, can you imagine if they had, like, Oscar and Lando had both had similar enough cars from Bahrain onwards, like from the beginning yeah. of the season, Oscar would have had an even better season. And I completely agree that, and I think that this year is particularly important for Lando. I think that if Red Bull continue to dominate the season, say, for example, Red Bull win out of the 24 races, let's say they win 18-19, right? That's ridiculously dominant. Yeah. And you start to see three or four different constructors win races if lando isn't one of those names i do kind of think the questions might start being asked of whether or not lando is as good as everyone says he is i think he's bloody fantastic but surely especially if oscar wins before lando wins a proper race and especially if and when oscar wins two races before lando questions will really <coughs> really start being asked um, so it's a dangerous game to play, but I think that Zach has got them right where he wants them. They're going to push each other. They're going to yeah. be competitive. They're going to want to beat the other, especially now that this isn't Oscar's rookie season going into 2024. There's a reason for Oscar to, like, right, I'm no longer the new kid on the block. I've actually raced some of these tracks now. I actually have the same car as Lando now. <laughs> Yeah, there's no re what reason do I have now? I've beaten Lando in terms of the sprint, exactly. You so I, I have one up on him. So if you're Oscar Piastri, you're you know, you haven't got your feet up, but you're looking at this season like there's something on the table here. Whereas I feel like Lando, especially based on like Lando gives it all or nothing, I and mean, I think he has a very similar approach to Charles in terms of qualifying. You saw his qualifying at Abu Dhabi, he could have put that on pole, as far as I'm concerned. Lando was on par to put that on pole or be very, very close to one pole. But he just stepped out too much in that third sector on his yep. last flying lap. And again, similar to Charles, because Charles gives it everything on those qualifying laps. Lando did the exact same. And that's what you're supposed to do as a Formula 1 driver. But he also made a mistake in Mexico. And he also made a mistake in, in this bit and stuff like that. And so I think that he also needs to have some sort of level of consistency because he can't keep making those mistakes, especially... If Oscar isn't making them, yeah, that's when the problems are going to start. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. What do you think? Do you think that sounds about right? Or yeah, I mean, I mean, some other things to, at play. Or for me with Lando, I still haven't seen enough for me to say that he's a class above like the other drivers. Like I say, they came up with him, the Georges, yeah, the Alexes. Yeah, Lando is a race Alex winner. Had, yeah, he's a race he's, winner, but he, yeah. I don't know if he's a world champion. No, no, and and I, I think he's. I think 
by Zach's tying him into his long-term McLaren deal, it kind of inflated his value almost falsely in, yeah, in the eyes yeah. of the public, you know, by, by McLaren sort of going, this is our driver, we're sticking by him. Um, and then, of course, there was the season with, with Danny Ricciardo, obviously, as well, where, you know, he obviously, you know, performed massively better than Danny, mm. um, who, you know, is a, is a multiple race winner. So that kind of increases, you know, first and foremost, beat your teammate, like you say. Yep. And that, that increases your stock value as well, doesn't it? So I think there's the element of that year as well. Um, a bit like a bit like George, I'd say, with Lewis. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I don't think George, for me, has enough as a driver. I think he had a really poor season last season. Um, I still think that his 2022 season, the only reason he beat Lewis because Lewis was suffering from a 2021 Abu Dhabi hangover. That yeah. I think from the outside we were looking in, I think that he was questioning whether or not he wanted to stay in the sport, whether or not he wanted to still be there. The car was clearly uncompetitive, so I mm-hmm. think he was doing a lot of soul-searching, as in, do I really want to stay here and do this after he, everything I've won? Yeah, he also know? lost Angela halfway through that season yep. as well. and So meaning he lost somebody very close to him in terms of support group and all that fun stuff. But yep. also, he he was doing a lot because he was so desperate to be back at the front of the field again. He a lot was of testing, a lot of, of tweaking, yeah. And being like, right, okay, I'm more than happy to run a slightly compromised package so that we can get some learnings. Because I know we're not going not to finish fifth, third, yeah. whatever. We're going to finish tenth. So let me just take some data. Like, that's fine. So, yeah, he, yeah it, it was a very and, odd and situation. I, and I think that inflated George's, I think even George's ego, I'd say, to some extent. Yeah, yeah and I especially think, winning a race. I, yeah, and then winning a race as well. So I think that that's had a part as well. So I think that Lewis last season firmly put him in check as if to say, I'm the number one Mercedes driver and yeah. until I'm not here, George, you know, and even Toto said recently that he's going to have to come out and yeah, he said, I'm going to have to sit down with George over the winter and chat to him about, you know, what happened last year, where we go forward. So even Toto is recognising that as well. So I do think that maybe that's happened a bit with Lando as well. And maybe, now you've yeah. got, like, like you say, you've also got Oscar who's just got nothing to lose. No. The things I love about seeing the rookies is they, they put it all out there, don't they? they they're yeah. like, you know, I'm in this. I'm going to take my opportunity and I'm going to, you know, grab it at both hands and I'm going to give just it run with it. Yeah. And just run with it. And like I say, didn't know the tracks, didn't know the team, had, I'll say, quite limited testing when you think about it because mm. actually, you know, his problems, his contracts are with Alpine. Right. Stopped yeah. him from doing a lot of testing. F1 teams used to have so much testing oh. for young drivers. It is insane. Now it's like non existent. I mean, the only good thing now is that from this year, you'll be allowed to run the new spec because yeah. you're allowed, like, a couple of years old. So you'll be allowed to run, what, the 2022 cars now yeah. in testing. So that's going to give, you know, the young drivers the experience of at least the modern-day regulations, yes. the current regulations. Yeah. You know. So even though it's going to be a couple of years out of date, at least you'll be getting a feel of what the new cars are like. Yeah. But to think, we've got these this whole raft of drivers driving, and we bring these drivers through, and we give them one or two FP1 sessions, and then we go, not very good, are they? Yeah, I, mean, I wonder why. <laughs> you know, yeah, because because they can't test. And yeah. I get the rules on testing. I get why we yeah. do it, and I get the, the data, the team's gathering everything else. But ultimately, yeah, if we want these rookies to come through, we've got to find a way to develop them as well. Mm. And F2 needs to play a bigger part in that in terms of, True. you know, we've got people like Terry Paul Chair now, you know, Felipe Drukovic, won championships, can't race an F2, can't race some modern-day F1 no. car, and just sat in garages every weekend yeah. waiting for an FP1 session. Yeah. 
to, right. to pass on and do the thin work. Yeah, literally. You know, and, that, and that's literally yeah. doing meet and greets and yeah, yeah, you know, making I, TikToks. I think we we posted a meme on the 107 account and I just put something up of like, great, you've won F2. Now you either wear a team t-shirt behind the yeah. the like the yeah. like in the garage or yeah. move to Japan and do super yeah. formula. Those do, are your yeah, options. Super formula. Super formula or, or make TikToks. Or Make TikToks all sat next to the team principal for yeah. regular sky, you know, yeah. your F1, yeah. where you've on it, where you've on a certain rename coming up. It's, you know, it's, it's, not it's great. crazy, it's just crazy to think. But again, further goes to there should be 12 teams with 24 cars on the grid. It's not that difficult, as far no, as I mean, I mean, I mean, despite, I mean, I sometimes get, I get on my page quite a lot because I like to news. Mm. People think that when I report that, you know, Formula One management don't want to undress you. That's my view. It's not at all. I want more teams, no, more drivers. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a racer. I've followed this sport for so many years now. Mm. I want more teams, more more competition, more drivers, more racing. That's what I want. Yeah, wheel to wheel racing. Yeah, it's so like when we hear the penalties and people go, oh, you know, it's, it shouldn't be the penalty. It's like, well, it should be a penalty because that's what they've decided. But it should never be the penalty. As in, before the start of the season, you should let that go. It's just a racing incident. But when you set that president, you've got to follow it all the way through. I understand yeah. why the FIA do that, but actually, it should never be a penalty, you know. And yeah, they're two very different things, aren't they? But yeah, it's the feeder series, and you know, are we going to get another state of rookies like that group you talked about? Because we're not creating the opportunities for them. There's, there's no. not. Where do they go? You know, they, they ended like a mixed Schumacher, which you know, with Haas, you know, everyone ridiculed, everyone sort of. Yeah, he said it was right decision to get rid of him. Was it? Because actually, Hass's performance since Mitch Schumacher went have told me that, you know what, they haven't done much better since he went. No. At least you would have the commerciality of the Schumacher name. And he was in a dog of a car as well. Yeah, first like, season, they, they openly said that we're not developing. Yeah, we're not developing. We're not yeah. doing anything for it. We're ready essentially, for yeah, they essentially ran an F2 yeah. car with F1 cars. That's essentially yeah. what they and, and actually, you know, again, is that a fair assessment of of mixed talents, whether or not, rightly or wrongly, you agree with, he should be in for Well, he certainly deserves an opportunity with a team who gives him more than the dog of a car. I, mean, I think that mixed opportunity was not great. And I think that ha if he has another opportunity, that would be fair. Not giving him another opportunity at some point would be unfair. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. You're not, you, you know, you're not F2 champion and stuff like that because you're rubbish. Like you're at, you've got to have something about you. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like Oscar Piastri is a is a great example. Going back slightly because I mean he wasn't particularly good in the dog of a car. You give him a slightly competitive car, he wins a sprint race. It's a different exactly. situation, but you get my point. But no, beginning <laughs> of the season, beginning of the season, you would have just gone, yeah, Oscar, Oscar's rookie years. Yeah. yeah. If they carried on like Bahrain start season, you would yeah. have gone, this is disaster. But actually, like you say, he suddenly had that good car mm. and he had that that platform to perform on. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. Ultimately, the car's like a stage, isn't it? Yeah. You have to give him the stage to perform on. Yeah. And yeah, Oscar's took that. And I genuinely think, like I say, I do think McLaren have got a strong pairing. Um, I think in terms of driver pairings, I think with two drivers, they've got to be one of the strongest if they can keep out of that tinderbox of, yeah. you know, teammates blowing up with each other. Um, I think Mercedes, another team with strong pairing. I yeah. think Checo might be... I think Checo's got to the summer, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, and I think if the teams are on McLaren and on Red Bull's heels, like McLaren and following them yeah. and catching up with them, I think then we might see 
Christian take a different stance with Jacko if they're losing points. Yeah. And if they're being caught. I, I think especially because like if McLaren's improvements are not exponential, but if they're like a steady, yeah, level, steady yeah. by the beginning of the 25 season, McLaren are going to be ahead. So yeah. I mean, potentially, I don't know. Well, I won't count my chickens before they hatch, but that that's potentially something that could, and I hope to God it happens. Um, but <laughs> I'm not biased <laughs> at all. Uh, but so I think that also it's it must be frustrating for all of the drivers as well. Like we talked about, you know, George won a race a couple of years ago. Um, oh God, uh, Signs won won a race last year as well. Last year, three. Um, and the year before, to be fair. Um, but like, it must also be incredibly frustrating to be a Formula One driver right now with Max Verstappen on the grid because he just keeps bloody winning. If Max yeah. didn't didn't exist, or if you'd have had maybe a slightly less dominant season, we would have had so many different winners. Yeah, because the the end I mean, the, behind that the gap the gap team, isn't that big. I mean, no. if you if you and, uh, and it sounds ridiculous to say if you take Max out, what a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, but ultimately, if you do take Max, is, Max is, and his car out, mm. then actually the rest of the pack all through the season is actually probably the closest pack we've had. Yeah, in, for a while. In years, in years, you know, in terms of the rest of the grid. The, re- and, the regulations have worked. The problem is that Adrian New is an absolute freak. Well, the regulations were... were this, <laughs> That's... For, for me, I've got, I've got two hangers with the regulations. The regulations were... What, what's happened, though, is the cost cap hasn't. Yes, because yeah. what what we've now got is we've got a situation where the regulations were we phrased it closer racing, which mm. is exactly what we wanted the regulations to do. What's happened is when one team nails that regulations or red ball, the other teams haven't now got the financial capacity to spend their way to catch up. Yeah. So what you're now getting is this scenario where in the past you would have had the likes of Aston Martin, Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren even, spending lots of money on lots of different development routes to find out which one they need to go down to. We've now got this problem that Mercedes did with the zero side pods. McLaren had problems with their floor, where if you go down the wrong development route, because of the cost cap, it takes you so long to, to back-engineer your way out of that and then go down another route that you've lost so much time. You've lost so much time in terms of Formula yeah. 1. And that's where the cost cap doesn't work for me. That's where that's where it's really, really bad in terms of what it could have done, because actually we've got these regulations where it's close and... Yeah, end of 2021 proved that. The cards were close at the end of 2021 yeah. when they, those regulations finished. That's why we had that season with yeah. you know, Max and Lewis ultimately. Yeah, you could barely separate them. You couldn't separate. You could, and, and in fact, all the way through the grid, you know, actually, yeah. there was a lot, of, a lot of battles in there going down to the final race over yeah, who was true. finishing where. So, I yeah, mean, the regulations brought them closer. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, Max probably should have had the championship wrapped up a little bit earlier than Abu Dhabi, in complete yeah. honesty. I mean, if you look at Baku and, and Lewis almost killing him at Silverstone, I think he probably would have done a bit better had those two situations yeah. not happened. But it still made it very close and very interesting. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, your Mercedes fans will come back with, you know, we changed, changed the regulation in 2021 to, to see high, high rate cars for no reason, yeah. And then there's been a lot of talk of why aren't the FIA stepping in now on Red Bull regulations. Yeah. But ultimately, you're talking eight years of dominance compared Versus to a year and a half a year and a half potentially because they, they didn't win the constructors in 2021 and did so and yeah. also the difference is is that Checo isn't finishing every race p2 like Bottas yeah. was yeah and also we know we've got new regs over the over the corner we know it's yeah. we know that we're only two years away from it so actually yeah i yeah i'm 
sometimes the FA is big as Chris here, but on this occasion, I completely understand that yeah. unless it's a safety reason, we don't need to change it. Unless yeah. something happens where there's a genuine risk to a driver, yeah, like what we saw in Qatar and Jensen and Tyler, so unless there's oh, something yeah. like that that's happening, there's a genuine health and safety risk. We don't need to mess with the regulations. Yeah. Yeah, because that would allow teams to also get closer, like we just discussed, because actually, if you've got the regulations, you will hit that ceiling of development. And the other teams... Yeah, I think we're now seeing the teams that understand the regulations. I think Red Bull understood a lot more because of Adrian Newey and what his thesis was on and his experience in that department. Mm. So I think that's what gave him this platform to hit the ground running. Yeah. I think what we're now seeing is we're now seeing the other teams who are full of these, you know, equally talented individuals who are now at a point where they now understand the car, they now understand what the ground effect is, they understand how everything goes together. And we've seen these gains of teams coming about these big leaps of Asimar and Mercedes. To me, that's a surefire way of teams getting to grips with the new regulations. And we've known a few years still to go on it, mm. actually. I'm not as disheartened as some might be about Red Bull's domination. I think there's, you know, I think the Red Bull switched their development early for 2026. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, we, we've heard that. We've heard that they They've already got the RB21 all, you know, ready to be sewn up by the end of this year. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So they're they're ready to go on on what will be the RB22. So that come first of January, they can concentrate purely on yeah, 2026 regulations. So but that might catch them out. Because yeah. if you've gone down the wrong route, or you know, again, what if they try something radical? What if they yeah. try a zero as high pod? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and it goes wrong. What if they've? Uh, it sounds stupid, and it is a stupid idea. But maybe the key to unlocking this is double side pods again. I yeah. know that's a completely stupid idea, but I mean, maybe it's not. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Alpine come out of nowhere with this double side pods idea, and they have the 2025 to remember, and they win every single race. And Pierre Gasly is driver's champion. You just don't know because Red Bull sat on their hands and went, "Well, the 26 cars ready." Yeah. Or <laughs> oh, well, Carl was that good last season that dominant with Yeah, oh, that. we'll be fine. And, yeah. And that's the danger, isn't it? You know, that yeah. that you know, do you twist or stick, isn't it? Yeah. It's the the, ult- the ultimate in Formula One. Yeah. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Absolutely. You know. <laughs> but they you know, all the all the same is it, you know. And for me, if you look at the gains that Aston Martin made and then you look at the mid season McLaren gains, mm. there's nothing to say the other teams can't make that gain. Because two teams have now done it. So it wasn't a one-off because two teams no. have done it. Yeah. So ultimately, you've got a situation where Mercedes can make that game, Alpine can make that game, you know, Ferrari can make that game, and suddenly... Yeah. I, you know, I know they say know Fra- every year it's now a year. Yeah. Well, apparently yeah, but, the, the sim pace from Ferrari allegedly has been very good and all this oh, stuff. But, I mean, it's always a classic Ferrari. I, I, and... You know what? I, I hate off-season because we can sit here and we can... <laughs> I, I can tell you now the stories that are coming out. There'd be someone who's unlocked furiously brake horsepower in their engines yeah. because of the development move. Bear in mind we're in the engine freeze for like year four. Yeah. But somehow, um, I think it's called Mercedes can now turn their engines up. Um, brilliant. Yeah, because they would have developed some rules where they couldn't put their engines at full, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, sim pace is always a good one. Um, yeah. Yeah, all, oh, the sim data is brilliant. Yeah, Mercedes sim data is brilliant until they went on track and porpoise everywhere. Yeah, exactly, so that's what, yeah. Yeah, that's not... But you will, won't you? All through winter, we hear about it. Yeah, last yeah. year it was Alpine, was there? Alpine were massively yeah. in the race. And yeah, they, they were ready to make that step forward. The only rumor last year that came out to be true was Aston Martin. Yeah. To be honest, was the big gains that Aston Martin were making over the winter. And there was a lot of talk about that. And people were going, really? 
yeah, this was a. And then they turned up a testing and. They turned up a testing. Like, wow. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, they have. Yeah. You know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh you know. no. <laughs> yeah, we were right on that one. Yeah, they had a big jump. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that realistically, the only big th- like again, this is potentially me being a teeny tiny bit biased, but also taking actual facts into consideration. I think that the the wind tunnel, McLaren having their own wind tunnel, will benefit them massively. But we won't see that for at least six months because yep. they haven't developed this year's or the 24 car in that wind tunnel. Um, but they will probably develop upgrades in that wind tunnel more than likely. Um, but other than that, maybe some of the you know some of the uh, upgrades, factory upgrades, uh, um, Salber and stuff like that may kick in at some point. See what I did there. Um, but so they may <laughs> like act- completely accidental. I caught myself <laughs> doing it. Uh, but we. <laughs> But like, there's there might be a couple of things, but there's nothing outrageous that I'm like, oh, because Ferrari have signed Paul DeResta as their reserve driver, that means they're going to do absolutely amazingly. There's nothing that I'm like, oh yeah, other than that wind tunnel. That's the only thing that I'm like that could be a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. There's, 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 not... a, there's a there's a there's a W fifteen sneaking about there. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you said I mean, brand new, Return of the well, King type thing. Well, you know, it's it, it's hard, is it? You know, do we get exposed about? I've said this before. Do we get exposed about Mercedes and James Allison returning? Or yeah, you know, there's a lot of talk coming out of Mercedes at the moment. Yeah, there's there's the team are certainly happier, um, and that that's a fact. No, that is a fact. The team, the team at Brackley are certainly happier with the direction that. That James has provided since he's come back. Yes, yeah. and and just the way the team's running is a lot better in terms of development. So that boots well. I'll uh, be honest; I'd mostly forgotten he was back. <laughs> and it, but and but you know, it's. I mean, you know, we sat here for the W14 would come out and be this all-conquering car, and yeah. it wasn't. So I think I think there's a pinch of salt that me personally, I'm I'm taking. But I wonder if the way that they can develop a car now that they understand the car. Mm. You know, you don't, you don't go from being, you know, eight in a row constructor champions to being bad champions overnight. You know, that's, that's the reality. Yes. They've lost a lot of good people. I'm sure people will quote that. Yeah. And you know, yes, there's been changes, but ultimately there's a lot in that team who, who used to winning championships, who used to building championship winning cars and success breeds success. Yeah, it's got to come at some point. It has, and you know, we all know that you know dominations in Formula One they always end, and you know, it's Formula One's always had domination. It's a case of how long that domination lasts. Well, you know, Braun had it for a season. Mm. Yeah, halfway through the season, yeah, as soon as that court case came out, yeah, as soon as the court case came out, the FIA said no, it's legal. Suddenly, everyone's like, oh, yeah. We heard in that documentary, yeah, Adrian Newey drawing on on the back of. Yeah, effectively in the old days, fag packets, wasn't it? Of yeah. A double diffuser, yeah, ready ready to launch, not even attending races to get that up and running. Yeah, so everyone has these period of dominations. It's just a case of, yeah, Ferrari had it, Williams had it, McLaren had it before. Yeah. It's always been in Formula 1. It's a case of how long it lasts for and when the other teams can catch up because invariably they always do. No Nine matter when it's... Ten, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. always happens, you know. So I think it's supposed to be exciting to see. I think Ferrari, you know, Dark Horse, there's another one there for you. See? Nice. Yeah, Ferrari. Nice. <laughs> but 
yeah, if they can get that one lap, Fred Frisbee has made a huge, huge backroom signings mm. there. Massive amount of turnover at Marinello. And that's got to start coming to fruition at some point. That yeah. thing, like, he... He's, he's made massive, literally, with, there's a lot that's happened behind the scenes there. You know, you talk of the staff turnover, some of the other things. Ferrari has been, you know, pretty much handing out garden and booting people out of left, right, centre yeah. for the past 12 months and under and, uh, and Fred. So it pays off. Yeah, yeah if you can yeah. get that, if you can convert that one lap pace they've clearly got mm. into a race pace that controls the tyres and actually lets the strategies win. I mean, Ferrari strategists, yeah, they're, they're, they're the butt of everybody's memes, aren't they? You know, yeah. they're, they're there. But ultimately, if you've got a car that burns its tyres up after five, six laps, your strategy department is shot to pieces anyway because yeah, they can't do anything. Yeah, they're literally sat yeah. there. They're like, what, what do we do? And that's why you keep hearing plan B, plan C. It's not actually that they're bad strategy team. Far from it. They're just like, what do we do? Because we should be doing 30 laps on these tyres, yet 10, yeah. and we've dropped off already and the pace is gone. Yeah, you know, do, do I do a 10 stop? And, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, I have nothing for this. You know, I can't work with, you know, you can't work with his, his it's, tools, it's a big it? problem. It is essentially like asking Gordon Ramsay to create the best meal he's ever done with rice cakes and baked beans. Yeah, you can, yeah. there's only so much with, you can with, do with an iron celebrity menu. Isn't so, yeah, it? yeah, like what can you? Yeah, do? You've got rice, rice and beans and create me a, a gourmet meal. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah, you could be the best uh, chef in the world. It's not going to happen, is it? So. No, exactly. Um, so yeah, but like the the changes that have happened, uh, the yeah. Let's wait and see because. I think towards the end of the year, we saw the Ferrari of old, but that is also partly because Red Bull stopped bothering to develop their yeah. car. Yeah. So there is also that. <laughs> so I think that we will probably see Red Bull take the lead again at the beginning of the year, but I'd imagine four or five races in, there might be a little bit of catch up. That's my prediction anyway for the beginning of next yeah, year. Yeah, it's normally when it comes um, back to Europe, is it? We yeah. only get that. The first sort of races where they've, they've packed the flyaway surface, it's gone exactly, out there early, yeah. and they can't, they, they, it costs too much getting new parts. Normally around Baku, is there is when it starts starts tending. The, we tend to see the first big upgrades from jeans. Yeah, because and um, obviously slightly different kinds of issue with Japan, isn't it? And yes, the way the way it's done because of um, I want to say Ramadan, isn't it? That's why we're yeah Ramadan. The, yes, yeah, we were having Saturday night races and all sorts of weird. Weird and wonderful starts of the season, aren't we? So. Kind of looking forward to it. I think it's nice. Like, yeah, I, no, I'm looking it, forward to it. And it's good to be a Kanjo. It'd be interesting yeah. to see Japan at the start of the season. And yeah, love that. Seeing the ones at the back end of the season as well. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to see. But I do think development wise, I think you're right. I think, yeah, I mean, we never know. We don't even know from testing mm. until we get, I always say Q3 is the time. Q3 in Bahrain, that's when we know what, what the team's done. When they, when they put those soft tyres on and turn the engines up full for the first time, probably. And run them on low fuel. That's when you start to learn who's got it right and who's got it wrong. Yeah. I think until then it's all guesswork. Even, even testing with different run programs. Um, you know, people don't understand that when when we go testing, teams have a set program that they yes. want to run through. Yeah, you know, and they they're not they're not worried about what the garage next one's doing. They've got this set program of want to test these parts, do this, do that, do that. And day yeah. one we're going to do this, day two we're going to do this, and and so on. So. Yeah, we're going to run our engines or whatever because we know if we run them at full, we can add a second in. Or yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to run that. So especially yeah. with quite a few components from last season, being yeah, carried over as well. Um, I mean, the track. Yeah, we've been to our yeah. a few years now. We yeah, know, we exactly. Know what we yeah, have to do. We know we can read the data. They they know that they, yeah. you can you can sandbag if you want to. Yeah, you way. can. That, yeah. that's my warning to to people <laughs> listening. Is um. Yeah, it's bet some sandbags in the Bahrainian desert for sure. Yeah. 
absolutely i mean we so we've been recording now for almost an hour and a half which is quite a lot so i think we should probably call it about there but i'm gonna i'm gonna leave you one final question because we've been talking about preseason testing and whether the new calendar is going to go for you where should the opening race be australia yeah that is only the only correct answer thank you very much for listening to the one <laughs> no, you know that is the only correct answer it's australia deal yeah. with it like i yeah. i like i love bahrain it's not the season opener there's something different in the air about having the season opener in australia i don't know what it is it's a great grand prix as well it's, yeah it's a great track yeah. it's a great atmosphere it's it's just a whole volume isn't it when you just look at the build up that goes with it you know they they know how to put on a race there yeah yeah it's it's one of those tracks which you just go actually yeah it's a proper bucket this track to go visit isn't it so, yeah i know that they were talking about making that a night race at one point as well or potentially making it a night race as well um i don't really care i i think yeah, I, yeah not bothered might save again they put 5am or whatever it is yeah but i mean then again there's also something it's the if it's the first race of the season you're excited you want to get up at 5am anyway yeah you'd like, be anyway I, you I, do, I do miss that it's a bit like i miss yeah. fast as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I do feel like they 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 did it one year didn't they where they had closed testing in barcelona and then public yeah. testing in bahrain they could yeah. easily do that again i don't know i i'm not in charge of it i think so, it's the can do, isn't it? i think it's all to do with how much time they're on the road for and true yeah yeah it's, if, you, it's if you're adding lot. another test and you are bringing everything yeah. forward a bit having you say yeah it's another week yeah. another week less of you know fa like family time for all of the bit employees yeah, and all that fun stuff so i lied i have one more question for you have you booked any tickets for grand prix next year yet or are you uh, still, still waiting silver no silver's not booked for nice yes um so i am booked for silver i've not got anything else i've got my eye on a couple Okay. I'm not gonna lie. Nice. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, I don't know if they're gonna pan out yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I have. Um, but yeah. So yeah, you know, Dad's Dad's got a couple of, of bucket lists. Right. As well, yeah. Which I'm okay. trying to I'm trying to find a way. Um, mm. But like anyone, I'm sure everyone their extortionate prices. Let's be honest about it. Yeah. Um, they they are expensive. You know, Formula One Formula One tickets have got on the. On a ridiculous side to, to some degree. I mean, there there yeah. are still some good ones to have, but true when you start adding in flights, hotels, that side of thing, that's when it gets. You know, yeah, I would say I'm quite lucky. You know, I think I said to you, I'm so close to Austin, I can travel down. I don't need accommodation. No, yeah, I, I could be back home in a couple hours. Yeah, so for me, although perfect. Yeah. Although you might spend again, I'm pulling a number out of my ass, but if you were to spend five hundred pounds on a ticket, which is probably quite yeah. cheap at this point. Um, <laughs> if you spend that, yeah. uh, that's like half what I paid. Uh, but yeah, if you were to spend five hundred quid on a ticket compared to flying to even the cheapest Grand Prix, exactly Budapest, yeah. which is I'm going to Budapest this year, which should be awesome. Wow. Uh, never been before, should be great. No, it looks great. General admission, by the way, I haven't got a seat, um, and I'll be going with the missus as well. So like, it's her first experience at a race. Oh, um, so that should be a lot of fun. But if you were to add flights, accommodation, and the ticket, it's almost the exact same price anyway. So you might as well just go to Silverstone. It's down the road. Yeah, like, and that's yeah. that's what we are. I mean, we we obviously we did Silverstone last year. We did we did a launch party, which was yeah quite a good experience. Yeah, and yeah, that was my first ever Grand Prix experience. So the the whole weekend was, was quite good. We obviously did launch party on the first day, and um, mm. which which was okay. I'd say it was great to walk around, see what was there in terms of you know. 
the stalls, you know, the, the fan zones, all those bits. Um, then obviously watched concert, that was okay. Yeah. Um, we didn't do the Friday, but we went we went um, hospitality on Saturday. Yes, you um, did, yeah. Which I was very lucky that my dad brought um, as a last minute deal because he wanted to go and that was the only that ticket yeah. um, and, and that was great. And to be honest, the Saturday price of that was quite reasonable. Like I say, if you take out the fact that what people pay for a campsite, for example, we probably didn't pay as much as that because yeah. we didn't have that to, to worry about. So, yeah, you know, I was talking to a couple of people who paid like general mission. They went down on the Thursday, booked campsite, all the food, all the drink. By the time you had all that in, you're probably not that far off if you're like being there lucky enough to be to travel down to there, yeah. which is exactly what we did. We literally did Silverstone on Saturday. We, did, we then had all our food, food and, and copious amounts of Heineken 0.0% on my side. Far too much um, <laughs> for me. Um, Dad obviously didn't. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but then drove back and then did same same as we raced day where we, we did the grandstand for that. So, yeah. yeah, from that point of view, actually, we experienced a lot of different parts of Silverstone in terms of hospitality, yes, yeah. German emission. And he went in the paddock actually, as well. <laughs> we, yeah, he kind of went in the paddock. Um, lucky enough, I didn't pay for that though. I'm a yeah, sad. I didn't buy yeah. paddock houses. So that was very fortunate. But that's what I mean. I mean, yeah, from from the amount of money you probably save by not having the accommodation, the food and stuff while you're there, actually, yeah. works out better for us. But like I say, you can't do that with with a Grand Prix that's abroad. So you then have to look all different bits. So True. We shall see. Yes, but uh, but I I may not speak to you about it again before you book it. But best of luck booking it all. Uh, if I were to <laughs> if I were to recommend one, Ash and I went to Austria. That was a lot of fun, a lot of orange yeah. joke, but a lot of fun. And the tickets weren't that expensive, so there's also that. That's, that's what I mean. Well, there's yeah. a couple where I there's a couple where I'm thinking actually, you yeah. Know, but um, do you know what we need? A bloody Germany race. We need absolutely. a Germany race. Like, absolutely. come on, lads. Yeah. You've got, like, I understand we want, you know, investment from Middle East and blah, 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 blah. Germany. Oh, come on. Stick yeah. a race to Germany. How difficult is it? Like, uh, yeah. anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yes, we're, we're going to call People it there. People wonder what this podcast is about. Yeah, this has been an hour and a half of mostly gibberish, but it's been fun. So thank you very much for, for joining me, Terry. It's much appreciated as per no, usual whenever you keeping... join. Apologies for not keeping to any script. I mean, at least, ah, at least the listeners know that we don't work off scripts here, and you know, certainly not. If you assume not that pre-planned. there is, if you assume that there's any level of organisation with these podcasts, <laughs> you'd be deeply wrong, completely, <laughs> completely wrong. Honestly, um, I literally messaged Terry. This is for the listeners. I literally messaged Terry about two hours before and went, "You fancy it?" And he's got, "Yeah, go on then." After yeah, seven go on o'clock, then. You might. That's fine. Yeah, uh, but yes. Yeah, so, if you've made it an hour and a half congrats because that's a long time but uh please do make sure go and check terry out um and if you're not following the 107 podcast itself as well please be sure to follow it on your preferred podcast platform and uh yeah give us a follow on instagram we're now on threads because it's now available in eu yay uh and all that fun stuff but thank you very much for listening it's been it's been a good one ash will be back next week apparently the uh skiving off work to go and do his actual (laughs) job how could he Uh, but thank you again very much for uh for joining us terry much appreciated 
um always a pleasure to to have you on and it's a little bit annoying that that you know ash isn't also here to join in the conversation so uh we'll have to get the three of us back together again at some point soon maybe we could do something around car launches and all that fun stuff maybe before testing definitely uh we need to set up the bingo that's what we need to do we do we, we should do, do we bingo to, we we'll do the bingo. f1 coffee corner when it's yes. podcast bingo guys. yes we'll definitely. see we'll get that sorted that could be our next thing yeah but Thank you for everyone for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure having Terry and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it too. And we will be back next week. Cheers, everyone.